welcome to Business Talk Sister Talk. I'm Becca. And I'm Ruthie. And today's episode is titled How to Become an Interior Designer. This week we have someone with us, Crystal Collinson, and she is going to tell us all about herself. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you, girls, for uh, for having me. I'm excited to to be here. And this is I'm gonna have to be honest. This is my first time having two people interviewing me, so I, I I'm gonna be it's gonna be a little bit different. So um, hopefully, you guys obviously know what you're doing and have it rehearsed, so you don't speak over each other. But I'm gonna uh, try to just follow your lead. But thank you so much for having me. Yeah, <laughs> we'll try not to go rapid fire and overwhelm you. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> All right. um, so the first question we have for you is, what do you do? what do I do? So um, I am, I've sort of found myself, now I'm a Canadian, so I found myself in a niche, as we like to say, and I know you guys say in the US, a niche. Um, I am, now I cannot call myself legally an interior designer in Canada or Ontario, because we have a governing body that I would have to write an exam for that I haven't written. So I will get my hand slapped if I call myself an interior designer. Um, So I call So I basically refer to myself as an interior design consultant. So I work predominantly with builders and developers of new, um, new homes and subdivisions. So I will do um, their model homes. So that would be like the show homes. Some people refer to them as show homes or model homes. So I will design and decorate and furnish them right from plans. So we're basically planning everything from just the plans as the house is being built. We're already have the furniture picked out and um, artwork. And then we write down to all the little knickknacks and accessories. So that's sort of one side of the builder um, developer, I guess, sort of um, um window or genre that I work with. Um, and then we also all also do sales presentation centers. And so those would be like the retail stores that people would go in and to buy their to be built home. So they'll look at the site plans and they'll see where they're the, you know, the different lots available and what type of houses can be built there. So, uh, and that's becoming a lot more technical with all the different types of, um, electronic, you know, like they have a lot of, um, you know, TVs and screens that you can pull up your, okay, well, this, this lot here, I can put this house on and, you know, with, with virtual reality, things are getting a lot um, more sophisticated. So we incorporate a lot of that into the design. So we would be doing everything from picking finishes, all the electrical, all the millwork, which would be any custom, um, whether there's cabinetry or what you call like a site plan table, like, so we design all of that. And then um, as well as doing like showroom design for tile showrooms or um, builders will that will have their decor studio where purchasers will go in and purchase or would pick all their finishes for the house. So we're designing all that. So we would do again, all the, <clears throat> excuse me, all the drawings. So it's basically like the drafting and the, and the plans to design those spaces as well. Wow. <laughs> okay. So this is very versatile and you've got all kinds of things across the board that you're, you're working on, but mm-hmm. what is your, your why behind what you do? Why did you start with, um, with your design consulting? Um, I think it was funny. It's I, I, in, when I was younger, I used to, um, so this can be sort of a funny story. I used to rearrange my furniture in my bedroom all the time. And I used to look at the Sears catalog that, and I'd look into the bedroom section and I'd be looking at the duvet covers and not even sort of realizing that what I was doing and why I was doing it. Like I just, that was what I liked to do. I'd be like, well, I can move my bed over there. And so my parents would be downstairs and hearing me going as I'm moving my furniture by myself, you know, pushing it along the floor. Um, And so I kind of always 
had that, but I didn't ever really think of it as being a real career. So all through high school, I did, you know, I played sports and I did very well at sports and I was academically, you know, good and I had a good average. So I got into university and I went in for kinesiology, which is, you know, sort of studying of the body and um, and I thought maybe eventually I'd be a, like a gym teacher or physiotherapist or something. And I got into that. And like within a semester, I was like, uh, uh-uh, this isn't for me. I liked physical fitness and sports and all that for my own self, but I didn't really want to get into, I guess, once I started diving really, really deep into it, I realized I didn't really like it. So I started, um, I guess, researching more about interior design and decorating and what does it really involve and so I I took a year and I think a half off and I took some art courses and I mean it was never I'm not a great artist I'm not a great you know drawer I can't draw great but I can visualize and I can see so I ended up getting into um, a college program and you know kind of went from there so it it was kind of I guess suppressed for several years and not really realizing that this was a, a, a real viable career. Wow. Okay. So how did you start practicing to get better at it as you were like, well, I'm not really great at this, but like, I know that this is where I want to go. So I think what I realized quickly, um, went like once I was in school, like it was, it was, you know, a, a pretty intense work intensive, um, program. It was a three-year program. A lot of them now are four years where you're getting a degree, whereas I did a three-year for, and just had a diploma because it really wasn't offered much when I went to school. <clears throat> so, um, I think I just basically, you know, realized that, okay, so my skills in drawing per se, like sketching weren't great, but there was so many other ways of figuring out how to communicate what it is that I'm wanting to, Um, design and present to to clients. So I think it was just sort of finding, okay, I'm not great at that. And either I will outsource it, right, I'll find somebody and actually in my my third year of school is when I met my husband the year before and he he was in advertising and design and his his I would say he's a really good drawer His his sketching and 3d skills like for just for sketching perspective were amazing. So he basically did my my all my artwork for me for my um, thesis project. And I said, Hey, like in the real world, you would be hiring somebody to do this. So I'm now getting somebody else to do this. I did a, a big chunk of it, but he just sort of finessed it and made it look much better for my my thesis project. But I'm like, that's reality, right? That's a skill set I don't have. Um, let's just figure out a way of getting it. I always say interior design and what we do is we need to communicate our ideas the most effectively to clients to the trades to whoever is actually trying to execute what it is that our concept is or our design is so um you know it's just I guess becoming creative in ways of saying okay I can't sketch it but there's much you know especially nowadays there's so many 3d programs out there that you know you don't even need to know how to draw anymore Hmm. yeah um so you had kind of mentioned how you have different skill sets than your husband does and different skill sets than um than other people around you, maybe even, but what kind of, you obviously have this raw talent of being able to see a, uh, a space and, and create something really cool. Uh, what kind of person really excels at being an interior designer? Well, it's funny. I think so many people have a bit of a misconception that <clears throat> it's a, you know, just this great, oh, it must be so much fun doing what you do and you just get to be creative all the time. And <laughs> in reality, if, if you are somebody that is going to be um, a working, you know, working for by yourself or, you know, as, as a junior, you're probably going to work for somebody else. So you're going to learn a lot of it, but it's 20% creativity and 80% project management and administration. So I always say, if you can't 
like if you've got all the greatest ideas in the world, but if you can't stick to a budget, like to making sure that your ideas and your concepts fit within a budget, fit within a proper timeline, um, if you can't execute these in a, um, you know, responsible um, method in the sense you're, you're like, it's no good, right? Like anybody can design stuff. I don't mean anybody, but designing with no budget and the sky's the limit. That's easy, right? The challenge is, okay, we need to make it look like this. How can we do, where do we put the money towards? Where do we not? Where do we like, so it's, it's a ton of administration um, project management in the sense of just, there's so many, like you have to be super, super organized. And I don't, I think a lot of people don't sort of see that they think, oh, it's just a fun, you know, you get to pick things and spend other people's money when it's really not the truth. Yeah. So that, that kind of transitions us into the, that area of how do you do it? So how did you do sales when you first started? Um, and how did that kind of change over time? Sales are not, I mean, most of us go into the business not because we want to sell, right? I mean, in, in any type of creative field, right? right? Most of us go into the business because we like what we're doing. Um, but unfortunately, you know, without the sales part, you're not going to have a business. So um, I think really it's, um, you know, if you don't have the natural ability to sell, um, you, you need to learn, right? And it's so whether it's taking workshops, whether it's reading books. Um, I think a lot of it is just having confidence and, um, in your ideas. And again, that comes with time and experience, right? It's not when I first started out on my own and, you know, getting my first client when I was out on my own, cause I worked for a couple different design firms before I went out on my own and it's, it's scary, right? Like it's this, um, you know, you're, you're feeling like you've got a lot of responsibility, which you do. And, you know, you just, you just need to, and I think the other thing is just, if you don't know, don't pretend that, you know, like you're better to be, I think, honest and say, I'm going to need to look into that, or I'm going to need to research that. Um, and as designers, I always say, we know a little bit about a whole bunch of things. We need to go to the specialist. We need to go to a flooring specialist who knows everything in, and that there is to know about, let's say hardwood. Um, you go to a tile specialist because you need to, you know, you have a certain ap application or something that's a bit unique. You need to go to them that specializes. So as long as you know where where your limitations are and where to bring in somebody that's more knowledgeable, because you know, you can't know everything in our field. You cannot know everything. There's just so many. I mean, there's electrical, there's lighting, there's you know the different types of surfaces. There, like, there's just so much to know. But it's just being authentic and saying, like, listen, I don't have the answer to that. And, you know, and that I think is is being true. And I think initially when I started, I felt like I should have known everything, but it's just not possible. So on that same vein there, what is something that you learned that you really wish that you would have um, learned when you were younger or something that you would tell your younger self now? Um, I think probably the biggest thing would be... Um, just the, 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 the bound, not the boundaries, but more the, um, I think when you're, you know, as designers, we tend to be again, using sort of a, a sweeping statement, but we tend to be people pleasers, right? We're doing jobs because we want to make somebody happy, right? We want to great, design this great space for them. Um, so we want to, we want to make them happy and we're have a tendency to be a bit of a people pleaser. So I think the biggest thing is trying to sometimes not be completely honest with your clients in the sense of 
you know, they want to, let's just use a bathroom or something. Okay. We want to renovate our, our master bathroom. And, you know, we, we have about, you know, 15, 20,000 to spend, uh, you know, if you're new in the industry and you're, um, you know, or if you don't have the confidence to say that's not possible, like, you know, to be honest with your, your clients upfront and direct and be, um, I, transparent, but it's not even transparent. It's just being like, listen, that's not doable. You're wasting everybody's time. So either you say like, listen, for, for that 20,000, we can do this, 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 and this, but if you want to do everything that you're asking for, it's going to be more like 50,000. So I think those were, that was conversations about money, um, were hard. I think when I was younger and now I've just realized that, you know, there's no sugarcoating it cause it's going to come out at some point. So you might as well be upfront from the beginning. And if, if it's not doable, then nobody's upset and you've managed expectations. Mm-hmm. So how impactful was networking for you when you first got started or is it impactful now? Oh, it's always, always going to be. And it's funny when I first started, I think for me, the networking was more with other um, designers and just um, learning, you know, there's stuff you learn at school, but once you're out on your own, running your own business, it's learning about different resources and suppliers and, you know, oh, don't deal with them because I've had a lot of problems with them or, geez, I need this I don't know, soapstone. Does anybody know a good, like soapstone's not super common. You'd be like, does anybody know a good fabricator or like just that sharing of um, information? There was that sort of form of networking that was initially um, part of, part of like starting a business was, was networking and just learning about trades and, and um, suppliers and that, and you, and that's continuing. Like I'm always, you know, now with the internet, cause I'm, I've been in this business, you know, 20 years, there's just so much more, there's so much more information out there. There's so many more, like there's groups and forums and people are so open, which is amazing. It's wonderful. And I think it's so great that everyone's become more collaborative as opposed to competitive. Cause it was, there was still, everybody held their cards quite close to their chest and didn't want to share a ton of information. Um, but I was lucky to find a few designers that we were really, we helped each other out because, you know, that's what we did. It was like, oh, oh, that's a great, okay, well, here's a great, you know, contact, give, you know, give Brian a call or give Jim a call. He's really good for whatever. Um, and then networking as far as clients go, I think it's, you just have to start getting the word out about what it is that you do. Um, and I think a lot of people can have a tendency to be a little bit, um, I don't want to say shy about it, but not necessarily um I don't know what the word is like it's like have you know have your elevator pitch so to speak but have like be confident you know this is what I do and this is who I do it for and, mm-hmm. I mean there's so many there's so many different niches or niches in interior design that you know it's not just resident residential right there's all different types of commercial there's restaurants there's hospitality there's you know you can take interior design and then get into the sales avenue where you're representing company companies like flooring companies or fabric companies or that kind of thing so um, I always say you just never know uh, where your next job is going to come from. You just mm. never know. Yeah. So in in moving forward with with your your business and everything, what sort of partners were really best to work with for you to make sure that a project goes well? What do you mean by partners? Like clients? Um, like people that you collaborate with? Like what you were? Uh, like what would be your set of people that you work with to get a project done? I think what I found um, is I like to work with people that want to do a good job. And, and, and I know that sounds pretty obvious, but 
I've seen a lot of situations where designers have gone in and have spoken to the trades, electricians, the plumbers, the tile people, just horribly, right? And have just sort of treated them like like the labor and the and the servants, so to speak. I mean, that's a bit of an extreme, but I think you need you you all you're all trying to get to the finish line together, right? And it's just, you're, you are one piece of this big puzzle that, you know, it, you, nothing gets built by one person. You know, you don't design by yourself in, 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 in entirety. Um, you know, you have so many different trades that are going to be in there. There are times, like many times where I've been like, oh shoot, I forgot to put uh, that we needed wiring for here or something, right? It was, if you have a good relationship with your trades or um, the site supers on, on site, they're going to help you. So I want people that understand that I'm not coming in there to cause problems. I mean, my tagline is design should solve problems and not cause them. And that's exactly it. We're all trying to get this project finished. We're all trying to do a good job. And so we have to collaborate. We have to work together. It's a team, right? It's, a, it, it's, you know, it takes a village, so to speak, but it does. It takes <laughs> a lot of people to, to get the project executed and finished to what the original vision was. Yeah. So how do you budget for projects and how, and how do you know what to charge based on like organizing all of the supplies and all of that for what you think it's going to be in the end for them to get their project done? Well, I work, as I said, I work predominantly with builders. Um, so I am, I have to go in with a flat fee, um, meaning a lot of designers, residential will charge hourly. And that's, that's a never ending discussion that we have as, as designers and decorators. There's, is the fees, fee system, because there's just so many different ways people charge, like there's, you know, per square foot, there's hourly, there's percentages, there's this, there's that. So there's different things. So typically what, what I will do is because when you go into design a project, you're going in and saying, okay, here's what my design fees are going to, to be to design this project. I don't know exactly what's going to go into this project yet because we haven't designed it. So we always like to say like the furnishings budget is going to need to be developed once the design is developed. Because it's really like you would completely shoot yourself in the foot. Um, with the exception of model homes. Now, I've done so many of them over the years that I can say, okay, three bedroom, four bedroom. There's not a lot of variables. Like we know what you're going to need in each of these rooms. And so I can get that, I can give a, um, an actual furnishings price for, but like if I'm doing a sales center or if you're doing like, I'm doing a decor center, a design studio, like we have no idea, right? Like there's all this custom mill work that has to be drawn. We have to get it priced. Um, so it's really about here you're hiring me as a designer so I'm going to this is my design fee to do this and then we will develop the you know the furnishings budget is there any crossover of interior design with home staging opportunities I know you kind of said like a little bit about the knickknacks thing or whatever is is that really common or not really it's see I've done I've done one house where I staged it and it was because it was for a builder that was building like a one-off custom home and they were they just like kind of like bought a bungalow or something and then you know tore off the roof and rebuilt it and they said you know would you do it and I said yeah because I had a relationship with them but it's a very different um it's a different beast staging you tend to rent the furniture and maybe you from the knickknacks like the all the accessories you this stager may have an inventory and then she'll um, just reuse them at different houses but you know you're going to typically rent the sofas you're going to like you're going to rent all the furniture um, whereas when we do model homes we purchase everything and the builder 
purchases that in its entirety and they own it all and we're done, right? Like it's not staging you have to it's like you rental and so you've got to get the stuff there and then you gotta you know okay it's rented for a month or two or however long it takes them to sell the house um i mean there is i know that there are some decorators that sort of do a bit of a crossover but it's it does operate quite differently okay um and then how do you present all of that to customers because it sounds like so much collaboration and how do you kind of make it all into one cohesive package to be able to so there there used to be in the in the olden days there used to be what they call like sample boards or mood boards right and you put your pictures and you know, this is where your sketching skills would come in handy and uh whereas nowadays we're doing basically i do like, like almost like a powerpoint or google slides <clears throat> and typically what i'll do at the beginning of a project is you know once i kind of get understand the scope of work and what the what the project's about and who they're targeting and you know like for my builder clients will what i i put together what i call a look and feel and so because you know they may say to me well we want kind of a you know we want a homey you know warm place well what does that mean right so i kind of figure out, okay where's the location what is your your demographic who are typically your your buyers right it could be first-time buyers it could be empty nesters it could be you know sort of middle where they're you know move up buyers that kind of thing so then I'll put together what I call a look and feel. So we'll grab images of kitchens that we think are, are kind of the style we're looking at. And we'll just put together those, which is like a mood board in, in essence. And we kind of make sure we present that to the client. So we make sure that we're speaking the same language and, you know, picture speaks a thousand words. So we show them, this is what we're thinking. Is this what you guys, does this feel right to you? Is this sort of what you guys are, you know, <clears throat> the, the intangible, does this feel like we're hitting the mark? And though, you know, 90% of the time it's yeah that's the direction we want to go or we want to tweak it a little bit a little less whatever a little less country a little bit you know more I we always like is it pottery barn is it restoration hardware like you have these terminologies and it's not that we're buying the stuff from there it's just there's a luck to it right and so we'll we do that through yeah as I said just images like Pinterest um you know grab a couple light fixtures it'll just it, it'll speak what the whole design direction is going to look like and then we know okay this is this is our our look and feel and then we go off and you know start picking finishes and then we present those to the client so it's usually about depending again on the client some some of my clients have been amazing to be like yep no we're good I don't need to see all the furniture that's that's mine and then others want to see every single thing so it just depends but um it's mm, like I say mm -hmm. it's kind of like a layering you start off pretty pretty wide and then you get down to the nitty 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 gritty of the details yeah. So you kind of mentioned that a little bit when you're trying to figure out your target demographic, but how did you find out your target demographic when you first started? Um, I think I kind of fell into it, to be honest. <laughs> I, um, when I went out on my own, uh, I'd worked for one of our big department stores here designing store interiors before. And I also did exhibit design for like trade shows. And, uh, and I said, I kind of like, I really want to do more of the residential because I want to be, I felt like the, the, the commercial side that I was doing with the retail was all very kind of hard. And there wasn't a lot of like pretty stuff. Like there wasn't a lot of interesting visuals and it was all about just making sure that the product can be displayed. So, um, I basically, I guess just started, um, I would on my own and then I joined what was the home builders association. And, um, uh, I got called from quite a large builder and said, you know, we've got a couple model homes. Would you like to bid on them? And so I went in going hmm, like, it was the fake it till you make it thing. I really <laughs> didn't, I really didn't know like what I was doing. I mean, it was like, okay, we got to furnish a house. Like I, I get that. But, um, 
you know, there were some nuances of, of the, of the, um, of the business and the industry. And then thankfully one of the sales managers there, um, her and I are still good friends to this day. She, um, kind of helped guide me a little bit on what I needed to do. And, and then it just sort of rolled from there. Wow. So what resources or tools would you think be beneficial to, um, somebody else who wants to get started in consulting like this? Um, well, I think you need to really understand, um, what the industry really is about. Like when, when I was saying like the misconception of, you know, it's just picking pretty things and, um, it's not. And especially if you're, if you're running your own business, it's really not, (laughs) that's such a small portion of what you do, um, on the day to day. Mm -hmm. Um, as you know, Rebecca, you know, (laughs) running your own business is, you're wearing, you know, 25 different hats and, um, there's just always so much stuff to be, to, to be done. And, um, I think you just need to really understand what the business is about. And if you, you know, I, I would recommend going to school. I think you, it's, it's going to give you some, it's also going to, you know, make sure that you like what you're doing. Cause from our first year to our third year, I think we were a third of the people left actually wow. graduated mm. from the first year, like how many people dropped out. So I think that that's, uh, it's a good sign to (laughs) see if you really, really enjoy it. Um, And then I think for, you know, just, you need to network in the sense of not like networking in in the business sense of it. It's just, but just, you know, talk to people and, um, you know, interview, see if you can, you know, if you're thinking of getting into the industry, interview other designers and, and find out what it's, what it's really like and what, like what area that you think you might be interested in you know some people love design but only want to do commercial um you know do offices and that type of thing so you know residential is a completely different beast from commercial so um there's lots of different avenues in it and as i mentioned before maybe you want to be like an architectural rep that just like knows everything and uh, there is to know about you know a certain like quartz countertops right and you want if you want to get into that or like there's lots of different avenues so I think it's doing some research and seeing what um you know sort of lights a fire in you and what seems interesting and if if there's any opportunity to you know do some job shadowing or obviously not right now in COVID but <laughs> you know some sort of that that type of you know interning um just just to really understand and make sure that you that what is happening like what really happens is, is, um, what you want, what you want to do and just be open to it. Right. Cause there's a lot to, there's a lot to learn and, you know, ask questions. Yeah. And I'm going to just say too, to, for some of you guys who are listening, we have not put in this plug yet, but if you're listening or wanting to listen to some interviews with designers, you should definitely t- check out uh, Crystal's podcast, the productive designer, uh, because she does just that. She interviews a lot of different people and um, that could be definitely be valuable to you. Yeah, so. for sure. I mean, it's great. I, I, I get to talk to a lot of interesting people and, and everybody's got a different story, how they ended up where they're at. And mm-hmm. it, um, you know, I, I do believe that sometimes your career path is not a straight one for sure. Um, so, and if you're, if you're young and, you know, in your, in your twenties, I'm like, I, I always say this, I feel, I feel for this generation because there's just so many things that you can do so many options. Yeah. So tell our listeners a little bit about how people can find you. Um, so I have, as you mentioned, thank you, the uh, productive designer and that's productivedesigner.com um, is the website. And then it's on, um, you know, Apple podcasts and Spotify and 
Google, I think I'm on Google. I can't remember her in Amazon. Um, anyways, just, you can just go to the website on that. Um, mm -hmm. And then my Instagram um, is at builderdesigner.ca. Um, Collinson Interiors is our website. And um, yeah, I would love to, if anybody's got any questions, um, probably the best one to, to reach out to me would be on the productive designer, um, just for that, you know, aspect of understanding the business that's um and that's what I'm trying to do is just sort of give tools and tips and understand the reality of what it is to run a business as a small business owner or solopreneur that type of thing and just you know understand the true workings of what it's like to be a independent design professional yeah well I know that I have learned a lot from you in just the the 20 minutes or so that we've been talking so I know that our listeners will also get a lot from you and um yeah so we are going to transition into the sister gawk portion of okay. our episode <laughs> and um i'm gonna share a story unless crystal you wanted to jump in and say something i think you can go ahead you can share a fun story <laughs> okay um i was just thinking this last week about how so um yeah becca and i there's seven kids in our family like some of you know and um we used to play this game called night ninjas and basically what that was is we lived out in the country and so like when it was actually you know dark outside then it was pitch black outside like it oh, was yeah. there's no street lights or yeah. anything and so we would go outside and dress in all black and then we would take these nerf swords and mm -hmm. then just run around and swing them blindly at each other and just it was okay <laughs> no 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 there was a little bit yeah. more logic than that it was okay we had glow sticks there was glow sticks so you had to go it, hide in the field it evolved over time and then like <laughs> what would happen is you could hide your glow stick while you were hiding but you had to get back <laughs> to the base and if you had anytime you moved like if you were gonna run you had to show your glow stick and then that's when the person who was like counting and going to go chase everybody had to like try to grab you as you were running back. See, it like that's a capture the flag kind of thing? Not kind of like ghost in the graveyard, you know, like where everybody oh. like, but that this is, so Becca's talking about the, the more evolved version of it where she came in and decided we had to have rules for things oh. because people were just getting. <laughs> I, okay. I'm, I'm with Becca on that one. That would just be too, too, that's mayhem, right? No, and that's no because you're, because you're an administrator, right? <laughs> well, I love a good rule every now and then too, but it was just the original intention was to just run around and, and beat each other up. And then my mom also stepped in and was like, you guys need to have some protection. So she made us all wear life jackets, cripple <laughs> <laughs> pants. <laughs> so then, and then it became like, okay, well, let's actually, it, then Becca would hide her glow stick. You technically had to keep it out all the time. So <laughs> You, but okay I maybe it was cheating I don't know it was <laughs> a long time ago well yeah. anyways thank you so much for joining us today Crystal we really uh, enjoyed the time with you <laughs> yeah thank you it was great talking with you guys I really enjoyed being here yeah and if you guys enjoyed this podcast you can definitely check us out on Apple and give us a review on Apple podcasts we'll see you next week